Lord, thank you for friends, family. Thank you for our homes. Thank you for the meal. Thank you for those pies, Lord, that are sitting out in the lobby. Lord, if we were to count the many blessings and to name them one by one, wouldn't be enough hours left in our lives. Lord, we could start with every air molecule. Lord, every cell in our bodies. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to be thankful. Not just tonight, not just tomorrow, but always. We give you this time in your word, Lord, that you would speak to us. We ask these things in the precious name of our substitute, our Savior, Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn to them, you can turn to the 8th Psalm, Psalm 8. Excuse me. No PowerPoint slides going to be up there. If we could throw something up other than my video player, that would probably be good. That would be nice. (laughs) We'll get back to that in a minute. But in order to see the small things, it helps to see the big things. And it says here in verse 1, O Lord... Our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. The word excellent there is tough for us to actually comprehend in the original Hebrew language because it's above and beyond what we can ask or think. It's actually something that we can't think of. When we think of this excellent, we actually don't have anything to compare it to. It's like when you're little, some of you guys that are in here are a little bit tinier than the rest of us, when somebody says, I, I love you more than infinity, and then you say times two, uh, or plus three, or whatever, it, it's beyond our knowing. You can't add to it. You can't subtract from it. How excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens, and it's so important to keep this particular passage in, in its context because the context is the glory of the Lord and its relationship to heaven and how awesome that is. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you've ordained strength. Out of kids, out of us, when we were little tiny people, the Lord invested in us in such a wonderful, wonderful way that we are his most prized possession in all of the universe. That he poured into us something that he poured into no one or nothing else. Out of all of the heavens, we were made in his image. Because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. You see, the world is trying to tell us that God is irrelevant. Back when I was a high school student, there was actually a bumper sticker, and it says, God is dead. The people that made that bumper sticker are now dead, and God is very much alive. 
When I consider your heavens, when you look up in the night sky, when you look at the marvelous array of the stars, a vast majority of which that you can see with your naked eye are not actually stars at all, they're actually galaxies. They look like stars because of the distance between us and them. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, how many of you have ever finger-painted? Any of you any good at it? I'm not very good. I can make stick people and stuff like that. That's, I'm not very good. There's an interesting correlation between that phrase and finger-painting. Because when this was penned, that was a way of saying the minor things. The works of your fingers. The things that you kind of do in your spare time. How many of you doodle? I doodle. It's the doodling. When I consider your heavens, your doodling? It's basically saying God didn't have to work very hard at creating the heavens. That they were the works of just his hands. A small thing. Work of your fingers. The moon and the stars which you have ordained. You know, we get those beautiful moon rises up here when the moon is full and, and it's clear. You know, and you look out on the horizon, the whole horizon lights up as the moon comes up. And yet the moon's kind of a nothing thing. You've seen pictures of it from when the Apollo astronauts landed on it. And it's kind of just a ball of dust. But it looks so amazing. And then verse 4. Now think of all of that. The heavens are the doodling of God. The wonder of looking out at the night sky at the moon. You know, we get those snowstorms and they're not quite here and the clouds start to come over the horizon and the moonlight hits them and you get all those crazy, amazing long shadows from the moon. God's just fiddling around. He's doodling for you. Scribbling on the margins of some book somewhere. The amazing, wonderful things. When you consider that's his doodling, now do you understand why David said what he says next? What is man that you're mindful of him? We're made out of the dust that's the dirt of the earth. And if the heavens are his doodling, What's man that you would think about him? You didn't have to think much when you created the heavens. You didn't work too hard to do that. And the Son of Man that you would visit him. You ever thought about where you'd go in the universe if you could do a little time traveling? Maybe go somewhere, accelerate your 
crazy bodies to the speed of light, you know, turn into a few photons and fly across the universe. You ever thought about where you'd go? You ever thought about how important you are to God? That out of all the planets, He put us on this one. Out of all the places that He could have put His Son, He sent Jesus to be with us. For you've made Him a little lower than the angels. And yet, from God's perspective, we're a little lower than the angels. The heavens are the doodling of God. We're on this earth. And He put His glory on us. His own likeness in us. He didn't actually do that with the angels. Only man is created in His image. Glory and honor. So personal is our God that He can doodle the heavens into existence. And then I want to share with you another passage. One we covered not too long ago in Luke chapter 17. If you want to turn there, you can go to the 11th verse. And now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Those of you who have been with us on Sunday mornings wasn't that long ago. And then he entered into a certain village, a village so significant that the village actually isn't named. And there met him ten men who were lepers. Now don't lose track of the heavens being the doodling of God. Don't lose track of that being his handiwork, the work of his fingers. He is so awesome in power that he doesn't have to think to create the known universe and yet so personal that he didn't forget about ten outcasts of society in a village with no name. Notice what it says. He met those ten lepers who stood afar off and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, Creator of heaven and earth, Yahweh Adonai, Lord of the host of the armies of heaven. Have mercy on us. We know we deserve worse, but we so believe that you love us that you won't give us what we deserve. And so when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And so it was that when they went, they were cleansed. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks 
for he was the most unlucky one of the whole bunch. He was a Samaritan. It wasn't bad enough that he came from an unknown village. It wasn't bad enough that he had leprosy. But he was also a cursed Samaritan whom the Jews hated. Pretty rough life, amen? Think about it. And so Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten who were cleansed? Where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Remember, Jesus was a Jewish carpenter. And he said to him, Arise, go your way, for your faith has made you whole. I'm going to ask you guys to stay in your seats, okay? So, no more getting up, no more wandering around. We get about 15, 20 minutes, okay? I think you can do it. I promise. And I got another video for you, okay? We have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? We have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? Yeah, you see, when you, you think about it, and you start looking at us compared to the glories of the heavens. Now, you guys know I kind of like things scientific and probably would have made a great doctor, but that wasn't what God had for me. What God had for me is what I'm doing right now. And God's creation still amazes me. And what we know about it is amazing. Probably most of you have probably seen the advertisements for the new movie, The Theory of Everything. It's the story of Dr. Stephen Hawking. It actually comes from his book, A Brief History in Time, which, by the way, is the top-selling science book of all time. It's the number one. Dr. Hawking, though he's not the author of the Big Bang Theory, he's certainly the one who's probably put the most time and effort into trying to prove that it's true. But he recently said, just a few weeks ago, He said, for all of my study, for all of my calculations, for all of my life's work, I still don't have any answers. Amen. (laughs) That is from the mouth of probably outside of maybe Albert Einstein, the most brilliant man who's ever been graced to walk this planet. If you know anything about him, he uh, has a motor neuron disease known as ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and he's been uh, in a wheelchair for most of his life. He is now down to where he has only one muscle in his cheek that he can actually move. And yet he can still think, and he uses a voice synthesizer to talk, and when you hear him it sounds like, you know, like E.T. or something, phone home. But as he embarked on his early career in astrophysics, as he studied the heavens, and he is the Lucasian professor of mathematics at Cambridge University, which, by the way, was once held by none other than Isaac Newton. Pretty brilliant guy. If you've ever studied physics, you've studied primarily Newtonian physics. 
And so the fact that we know about things like gravity, thermodynamics, things that kind of make you stick on the earth, and the reason that things slow down, don't speed up when you put them in motion, they stay in motion until an equal or opposite force acts on them. When he began to study, one of the things that stimulated him to do that was looking up at the heavens. And it was interesting because in David's time, when people looked up at the sky, most people believed that what they saw was about like you and I would look up at maybe a a torn up easy up over our head with holes in it, and the holes represented light coming through. Those would be stars. I mean, that's about how complex people thought of the universe at that day and time when David wrote the 8th Psalm. During the Middle Ages, by the time the... 1300s, 1400s came along. Calculations were done that perhaps the known universe might extend out 500,000 miles or so. 500,000 miles is so close in astronomical terms that it wouldn't even get you to the next planet. But that's what they believed. They studied and studied and studied. They thought the orbit of the moon was out there a few thousand miles. We now know that it's much further than that, but still not very far away. Today, the distances of the known universe are so vast that we no longer measure them in miles. We measure them in light years. And so when you look at the universe that you see, the known universe... It's estimated today that it's some 13.7 billion light years across. Now to put that into your minds in such a way, because remember that the known universe is the doodling of God. It's what God did in his spare time. (laughs) He wasn't really working at it too hard, just, I'm going to create a universe. And by the way, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. God said bang, and it was. In Jesus' name. But light travels at 186,276 miles a second. So to give you an idea how far that is, in a single second, that's a a distance of about to the moon. So it, it goes very, very fast. So when you look at our little world that we live in, It takes light from the sun, about eight minutes to get to us. It takes, uh, if you were on Mars, you know, we're studying, we just put the Mars lander on Mars, and if we put a colony of people there, if transmissions of communications could travel at the speed of light, you ever notice how on your cell phone every once in a while you get a little bit of a time delay? Because somebody's someplace else and you're talking to them, a little bit of a lag time that lag time at the speed of light from Mars would be 16 minutes. Okay? If you happen to be out there at the last planet, which they've made back into a planet, remember they declassified poor Pluto and made it, you know, just an orbiting object around the sun, they made it back into a planet. Speed of light takes about five and a half hours to get out to Pluto. We think of that in miles Most people are okay with hundreds of thousands and millions and billions, and you all know that what comes next is is trillions, right? So you have 
hundreds and then the next group is thousands and then the next group is millions and then billions and then trillions. One light year is almost six trillion miles. That's 5.87849871 times 10 to the 12th power. For those of you who are mathematicians. That's just one. That's just one. Now remember, it's the doodling of God. There's a reason for all this. Teaching a little astrophysics while teaching you a whole lot about God. The heavens are the doodling of God. So you hop in your little spaceship that can now travel the speed of light. You just joined the Star Trek generation, okay? You can now go warp one, okay? Not warp ten, warp one, just one times the speed of light. If you're going to travel to the nearest star, it would take you four years to get there, okay? So multiply all of those seconds in four years times nearly six trillion and you do the math for the miles. It's out there a ways. Okay? If you were going to go to just the next closest galaxy, because you all know that we're in a solar system, right? We have our little solar system, sun's at the center of it, you got Mercury and Mars and us and Venus and all those planets, Saturn, Neptune, you guys know them all. You've got us. We're orbiting around one star of 4.875 billion stars in our galaxy. Just in ours. The next closest galaxy with more than 5 billion stars in it would take you 25,000 years at the speed of light to get to the next galaxy. The doodling of God. So when David looked up at the stars and he said, Lord, what is man that you are mindful of him? Now do you understand why he might have said that? If the stars are his doodling, the work of his fingers, his finger painting, his little Play-Doh things that he makes, you know, you play with Play-Doh, you make like them. I, I always made the horse because it was the only thing that I could actually get the, you know, kind of sort of look normal. When you make your horse out of Play-Doh, God can do a little better than that. He makes galaxies, nebulas, and star systems. What is man that you're mindful of him? What is life for each of us? Maybe we live 70, 80, 90. If God really wants you, you know, to stick around and be, you know, some form of an influence, maybe you get to live to be 100 years old. Pretty rare. How could we be in God's eye? Take you 25,000 years just to get to the next galaxy. There are hundreds of billions of galaxies. 
perhaps trillions in our universe. The sun, the moon, the stars are his doodling. Now you kind of get why Dr. Hawking doesn't have any answers. What's man that you're mindful of him? If God could do that in his spare time. You guys ever have spare time projects? You know those things that you do in your spare time? You know where you don't really have a whole lot of purpose for it. You just do something in your spare time. Awesome. Look at this galaxy I just did. A few billion stars in it. Each one of them with planets. And The more we study the universe that we live in, the more we realize that it's infinitely precise. Move a star here or there, it would cause the collapse of almost all galaxies. Just from the gravitational force. What is man that you're mindful of him? The same God that keeps stars in place, keeps the universe finely tuned, balanced out, keeps our little earth spinning on its axis to give us just enough gravity so you don't fly off or that you're not crushed. You ever thought about that? It's always an interesting science question to ask young people. What would happen if the earth stopped spinning? Invariably, they say, everybody would fly off. That's actually not true due to the mass of the earth. But the fact of the matter is, is we have gravitation. The earth is tilted on its axis to get the right amount of sun. So it's not too hot, not too cold. And so that you can look at the places along the equator and just dream that you might get to go there one day because they're tropical. What is man that God is mindful of? Not only mindful, but puts his glory in us. You see, sometimes we miss the big things. And at other times, we really miss the small things. Remember the video? You ever thank God for your feet? Craig, you don't have to answer. And that you can actually get your shoe on. Amen? In Jesus' name. Yeah. You ever thought about those things? What are you thankful for? God gives us the gift of everything. Everything. Think about it. You know, sometimes we we kind of flippantly toss out the phrase, thanks for everything. Anybody ever use that? Thanks for everything. Thanks for everything. Hey, thank you for everything. You know. You realize with God it's actually true? It's actually true. Thanks for everything. You see, everything included the things that to this day Dr. Hawking can't figure out. The things that we still don't understand. The Romans 8.28 things that we sang about. Amen? All things work together for the good, for those who love God, and are called according to His purposes. Everything. 
thankful for the times that you... Is anybody ever thankful for mosquitoes? I think they came out of the abyss. I'm not sure. I think maybe the only thing that Satan ever created was mosquitoes. I don't know. Bad theology, but it is interesting. You see, when the Lord created the universe and he created us, out of all the things he could concern himself with, he was concerned with ten lepers. In the midst of doodling and keeping the universe spinning, he looked at some guys that weren't even looking for him. Didn't actually acknowledge that he'd even done anything wonderful for him. Only one came back and thanked him. We call that a 90% failure rate. If you did nice things for ten people and one of them thanked you, you'd kind of go, that's a bummer. But not Jesus. To as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons and daughters of God. God is so deeply concerned about your situation, my situation, this little speck in the Milky Way galaxy. You ever looked out at, on the really clear nights and looked out at the edge of the Milky Way galaxy? We can see it up here. We, we happen to be in a spiral galaxy. When you see the Milky Way, you're actually looking through the edge, long ways through the edge of our galaxy. All those stars that you're looking at, so many of them are not actually even in the Milky Way. They're galaxies beyond ours. Tens of thousands of light years from here. Hundreds of quadrillion billions of miles. And yet God knows about sparrows. God knows about the missing hairs on my head. He's counted them. He knows them intimately. He knows how many of them went down the drain today. He's over there. 7,804, 7,805, skip it, just add a thousand. God knows. Now, if he's the God of the infinite and the huge and the big, and he cares about lepers, and he counts the hairs on your head, and he knows about sparrows that fall from the sky... Shouldn't we be giving him thanks for everything? He hasn't missed anything. He didn't fall off the throne. Any of you have ADHD? Adult Attention Deficit Disorder? <laughs> Me and Rick have our hands up. Yeah. You know how you get distracted? I, you ever notice when I'm studying, I turn the lights off, I turn on music, I get the cone of shame from the Disney movies, and just so I can only look forward. I have to do that because I get distracted. If you look at some of my typing when I'm doing that, it's like, I didn't write that. And I go back and I correct it all because I wasn't paying attention. Do you realize God is never 
not paying attention to you? Not one nanosecond of your entire life will God not know absolutely everything about you. Everything. And He cares about it. Shouldn't we thank Him for everything? That's why He said, Your faith has made you well to those lepers. There wasn't anything they could do for Him. God doesn't need anything. You know how we send thank you cards and thank you gifts? And we're appreciative for them. I I enjoy getting them. I enjoy giving them. You know how we give Christmas gifts? Do you have anybody in your life that's hard to buy for? God's really hard to buy for. Matter of fact, he's impossible to buy for because it's already his. We have a lot to be thankful for. Think about it. Created the heavens, created the universe, created our little planet, took some dust off of it, made us, and yet he cares more about you than he does about the rest of the universe. That's where he put his glory. Remember that the next time you think God doesn't care. Remember that the next time you're tempted to maybe not be thankful. Remember that the next time you think you really need something and you don't have it. We're supposed to be thankful for everything. Give thanks to God in Christ Jesus for everything, for this is His will. You you see, if you live your life that way, and you lose the ungratefulness, you're going to go a long ways at being happy most of the time. Because no matter what He allows into our lives, no matter what you do or do not have, your thankfulness then isn't based on what you have or don't have. It's based on who He is. And He's chosen to make you just a smidgen lower than the angels. And he knows what's going on in your life. And out of all of his creation, he made you in his image. And out of all of his creation, he put his glory in you. So be thankful. Amen? We're going to worship. Terry, the band's going to come back up. I got one more video for you when we get done with this these last four songs. But as you worship, make it from here. Not from a PowerPoint slide. Make it from your heart. And be thankful. Amen.